Hey, hey, you guys know I love to talk a lot about wanting more for your life. I mean, why wouldn't we talk about that? Well, if it's possible, this girl today talks about it even more than I do. Or really, I should say she brings a very practical application to making it possible. I talk more about rewriting your story and finding the beauty in it in order to move forward. And then she gives you the how with this step-by-step -step process of visioning your life. My guest today is Angela Barnard, host of the Intentional Mind podcast. She shows us how God calls us to declare what we want and take action towards it. We don't have to know the how. God takes care of that part, but we do have to know what we want if we want to get anywhere. Listen, today is epic. I hope you enjoy. This is the Ash and Ivy Show. My name is Riley, and I am so really very excited you are here. I'm excited because this is a safe space for all kinds of humans to share their journeys, and I believe we should. We should share our journeys, our stories. They deserve to be heard, and we need to embrace them by listening and growing in compassion. I'm also over the top that you're here because I don't want you to miss a second of this friendship offered in the community. You're invited, you're needed, there's space for you here. So go on in over to Facebook groups and jump into the Ash and Ivy friends group. Listen, life is meant to be lived in such a big way. It's meant to be celebrated. And sometimes that means digging into our ash and finding the ivy of our story. It's all so hard and beautiful and messy, but we're going to do it together. Hi, Ange. Hi, Riley. Thanks for joining me today. Isn't this so fun? Yes, I love this stuff. I'm so excited. I'm so excited to be with you, especially. Um, so you are doing all kinds of crazy stuff, just amazing dream work right now with your podcast. And are you just having a blast? I am. Like, I feel like I'm really just living in alignment with like who I want to be. And I feel like every day there's just more and more opportunities. And sometimes there's so many opportunities that I'm like, whoa, we need to step back and go back and look <laughs> at my vision and make sure it's in alignment with like who I want to be. So this is just exciting to say, because of course it hasn't always been this way. Like there was, there's been times in my life where I obviously have felt really down and where it was harder to believe for more, which I think is why I'm so passionate about helping people dream, helping them believe for more, helping them live in alignment with their vision and actually be the person that they want to be. You know, that's my jam. Yes. That's awesome. Well, we definitely, I understand like since I've stepped into this and just gotten out of this place of living extrinsically and to please others, mm -hmm. um, I just feel like I'm more myself than I've ever been. And it feels it feels like a good thing. It's really exciting. Yeah. So, totally. Well, I think we all want to know your secret on how you do all of that and how you make that happen. What does looking, you know, living in alignment mean and how do we get there? Um, before you tell us all about visioning for your life, I would love to hear just who you are behind the scenes and how you got where you are. And I know, you know, we all are on a journey and like you said, some things are hard and, um, but I, I know that that journey kind of pushes us to know who we want to be and pushes us to become that person. So tell us about you. So basically, how did I get here? We'll back up a little bit to <laughs> my story. 
So right now, well, here right now, um, I live in a tiny house in South Carolina, um, close to North Carolina, like you, Riley. <laughs> and yes. um, for but for those that don't know that area, so we're about like on the foothills areas of the mountains. And um, the tiny home and the simplified way of living was something that was once a dream of mine. Like I really just wanted to reduce my life to the things that mattered most to me and free up, allow myself to have more freedom, less clutter. You know, I think that everybody wants that, wants to have a life where everything that's around them is just in alignment with who they are, that sparks joy for them, all of that. So um, that's how, like, so that's kind of where I am now, like living this kind of life. Um, I used to live in Michigan. Uh, my husband's from Indiana. And I think when I really got into the whole work of visioning was when, right before I met my husband. And so before I met my husband, I was, I was working in a county mental health agency. I think I was in, I was in grad school, just busy and in a relationship that really sucked and um, mm -hmm. was not in a, just the person that I was with wasn't someone that just treated me very well, you know, but back yeah. then I was somebody who let people treat me in ways that, you know, just weren't in alignment with who I wanted to be. Like I didn't have the confidence back then, all of that. I didn't know who I was. Yeah. And so anyways, I'm in this, this crappy relationship, that relationship ends. I'm working like crazy, filling my time up with grad school work, like all these different organizations I was a part of, just kind of like numbing, just trying to just distract myself from, I think, how I really felt, um, feeling like unfulfilled with my life and kind of where I was, even though from the outside, I think most people would be like, wow, you're young, you're in this great job, you have your own house, you have like all of that. But I felt so mm -hmm. just like I wasn't living my life. Like I was kind of living that life of like white picket fence, like nine, right. nice nine to five, like, you know, that kind of like, yeah, there's these expectations of what we're supposed to move towards, go to yeah. college, get a job, meet a man. Have and kids, I kind of like, did. I was doing all of those kinds of things. Yeah. And, um, and the guy that I was with, it wasn't like he was a horrible person. It just wasn't a good fit for me and my dreams and all of that. So the relationship ended. And, um, I remember I was like in the bathroom crying on the floor, you know, like, that's <laughs> like <laughs> we've all been there. The typical thing. Yeah. Quite cried on the nasty floor. Um, so I'm like crying and just, um, cause I remember before the relationship ended, I was um, praying about my relationship, like, should I stay with this person? You know, what should I do? And I remember my stomach like turning when I did, when I said this prayer, because I just knew mm -hmm. in my heart that this wasn't the person for me. But why is it so bad. hard for us to let go of those things? I know, right? Why don't oh, you listen to your intuition? I wish I could just shake every girl and be like, please. Yes. Like you already <laughs> know the answers. You already uh -huh. know. So I felt that. And like, I um, was praying about it and I was just like, almost like I didn't want to hear what God had to say about it. Kind right. of and like literally two days later, because I prayed like, should I plan my life with this person or not? And, you know, um, two days later, I ended up getting a message from a girl on Facebook that was a friend or that was a girlfriend of my, my um, boyfriend's friend or something. And she's <laughs> like, hey, Angela, um, I just want to say we saw, we saw Ryan last night and we just want to say he was with some other girl. I'm not sure who she was, but I just wanted to say hi and that um, we miss you. Mm -hmm. And it was almost like this subtle way of saying like, check into this kind of thing, uh -huh. you know, yeah. without like, saying it. 
So I ended up asking him about it and long story short, all this stuff ended up coming out and it was this girl that he had cheated on me with some waitress at Buffalo Wild Wings or something. And I knew in my heart that that was God telling me like, you wanted your answer. Here it is. I heard and you. I'm answering yeah. you. And I just mm-hmm. knew that because I'm like, this was the answer to my prayer, but did I want to hear it? Not necessarily. Did it feel good? Not so much. But this is really what's what happened that really pushed me on to this world of like personal development and growth and being intentional with my life and living a life true to me. I really feel like when I look back, it kind of started there. And so after this happened, I'm like, I'm going to focus on myself, like growing myself, living in alignment with myself. And um, I was reading this book at the time called True Love Dates, and it's written by a Christian counselor. And she basically talks about like, um, how so many people can tell you all day long what they don't want, what they don't want in someone, what they don't want in a job. And I've experienced this too when I used to do career coaching all day long. They tell me what they don't want. But when you said, what is it that you want? That's when they're like, wait, what? And so (laughs) instead of focusing on what it is that they want to create, they focus on in a sense what they don't want to create. And so this book really just opened my eyes because it was like, what are you looking for in someone? And then are you being the kind of person that that person that you want to be with would even want to be with? And I was like, wait, what? Like, this just like blew my mind. Cause I was like, (laughs) well, if I wanted to be with this kind of guy, this kind of man, would he want to be with someone like me the way that I am now? And honestly, back in the day, no, because I didn't believe in myself. I didn't have confidence in like who I was. Um, Mm -hmm. I didn't live like, I wasn't living in alignment with like, really like, the ideal kind of person I want to be. I let people walk all over me. I put myself in like crappy situations, you know, just keeping it real. So that stellar of a guy wouldn't want to be with a girl like me, just keeping it real. So that had to be like, not that I was a horrible person, but you know what I mean? Like I was, I know. Yeah. I don't know how to say it, but I guess, I think everyone knows what I'm trying to say. Yeah. I think we've all been there and it answering, what do you want has got to be one of the hardest things. Yes. I don't know why. That book, it really helped me because you first got clear on what what it was you didn't want. And that sometimes helps you, like all the time, helps you get clear on what it is that you do want. So the contrast brings you closer to clarity. Like all of us have been in these roles that we, we really don't like. And if we study that, if we look and we do some evaluations, there's things that we're like, okay, for sure, I don't want to do that. We're going to leave that behind as a design this new thing. But then there's also things like, I want more of this kind of thing. So you learn mm-hmm. from the contrast. You need the contrast to get the wisdom. So in the book, we're writing down like red lights. Like she could, red lights, yellow lights, green lights. So like red lights, like if someone has this kind of behavior, for sure, stop. We don't want to even keep considering even dating them. And then yellow, mm-hmm. proceed with caution. And then green, like, what are you looking for? So it was the first time that I really started being intentional. So I wrote down what it was I was looking for in a significant other. And then I asked myself that question, you know, if I found this kind of person, like what kind of person would they want to be with? Like, what would I need to be like? And I oh, that's about good. having like a strong faith and like, and this might sound weird, but like having a strong faith, but not being someone that's like, I don't know. Hopefully no one take offense to this, but like a weirdo, (laughs) a weirdo in the sense, like, like super judgmental and super like, um, like the kind of Christians that gives Christians a bad rep. Like we all know know. what we mean by that. And then kind of like, I'm never going to go out and have a beer. Cause no, like, you know, I didn't Mm -hmm. want that, but I still wanted someone who like loved God, like a God authentic would Mm -hmm. go to church with me, all these things. So I wrote down all those things I was desiring 
Um, I even wrote silly things of like, like, like cereal, like I love cereal, <laughs> like, you know, like <laughs> stuff like that, adventurous, outdoorsy. Like I was just dreaming up who that would be. And I wrote it down and she talked about like, you know, um, praying for that person and all of that. So I did this and then I went to, I went to this church, uh, sermon and, um, it was about like being brave and like doing the things that scare you. And so I was like, yeah, this summer I'm committed to doing all the things that scare me. Like if something, if I want to do something, but it scares me a little bit, I'm going to do it anyways. So I remember <laughs> I was a podcast journalist at the time in the army and they asked me to go to this advanced training in Maryland and it was by myself. And it was my first time I would be without my unit, my friends and have to go and travel on my own and do these training that kind of scared me. Yeah. So wow. Like, yeah, I'm going to do this. So I went out, I did that. Um, I just, so I ended up, so I ended up coming back. I remember one day I was in, oh, let's backtrack. That's that story needs to come back. I'm, I'm like, mixing okay, no so problem. Anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself, but I get so excited. <laughs> so, um, I was in grad school one day and I remember I had gone on a date with this guy that was kind of like, I felt like he was like a, a kind, the kind of guy that, that I would be interested in dating that a good quality guy. So yeah. I started attracting these kinds of guys into my life. So I went on some dates with him. It turns out it didn't work out very well. He's very much of like a homebody and I'm super, I consider myself pretty adventurous. I love exploring. And you could tell that that would be something that's like, well, we're kind of way off here, but a super good guy. So anyways, um, I'm at, out to eat with my friends after grad school. And she's like, how's it going with that guy? And I was like, you know, I don't really think it's going anywhere, but funny story. This guy was on a TV show and she's like, what? <laughs> and the reason why it got brought up in a conversation was because I was talking about being a broadcast journalist and he's like, Oh, I had my time on the camera and stuff like that. And that's where yeah. I, think I was like, yeah, I just went on this trip and yada, yada. So anyways, he's like, yeah, I was on the show and it's basically like a mini version of the bachelor. Oh, churches churches got to decide who the candidates would be that this girl would date and then she got to decide yeah it was called it takes a church this was on netflix and everything <laughs> oh so this story like it's getting good guys because it leads to my husband and i'll tell you how so without ruining it so anyway so let's just keep in mind that I, this was after after i got clarity around what it was i desired and this is like shortly after Mm -hmm. And it was like, God was like, oh, that's on your heart. You desire that. Watch me do something better than what you even wrote down. And I feel <laughs> like that's just like how it works. So anyways, so I'm, I'm out, I'm telling my friend, you know, it's not really going anywhere, but funny story. This guy was on the show and this guy actually was the, the one that chose to continue dating. So it wasn't oh. like they're supposed to get married or anything. It wasn't like the drama of like the bachelor. It was like, okay. it was like the, the church <laughs> version of it. Like what really what happens is like, she gets to decide who she'd like to continue dating she itself decided who the eight people would be. It was like a mega church that would be selected. And then, uh -huh. um, for the show, and then she gets to pick who she will continue dating and the winner gets to continue dating her and he gets to decide where money goes to charity or something like that. So anyways, wow. She picked this guy and the show was getting edited. So it had not officially aired yet, but he didn't really hit it off with her. So they never actually ended up dating. So oh, this video well, kind of sad. <laughs> yeah. Well, not yet. It's not yet sad, Riley. I'll tell you what happened. So anyways, this guy, I had gone on some dates with him at, um, during the editing of the show before it had aired. And he told me this, like, look, I'm not telling anyone, but this is what happened, you know, and 
yeah. And I'm like, wow. So I show my friend, I tell her the story and there's a trailer of the show on Facebook. So it has the guy in it and I should play the video for her. And she's like, well, who's the other guy? Like there's another guy tagged in it. And I was like, I don't know. She's like, is he on the show? And I'm like, I'm assuming so since he's tagged in it, she clicks on his, his, um, profile and scrolls down and there's like pictures of him like jumping off like these mountain things and like very adventurous right and uh-huh. she's like Angela yeah she's like I really think <laughs> that you would like this guy and I was like what so we're looking at this thing we're stalking this stuff and then um after um so we leave I don't think anything of it my friend had added him on my Facebook like friend requested him and I didn't know she because it was when she was clicking on it looking at it didn't think anything of it seven days later I'm at home and I get a notification. Ian Barnard, my husband now, has, oh accepted, has accepted your friend request. And I was like, <laughs> what? I never added him. And right away, the guy's name was Josh. Josh messages me that was on the show. And, and I knew, I knew that Ian had just messaged him because it was so close together when he had messaged me. And we only had one friend in common and it was Josh. And I have to tell you the other thing that happened was that when I started attracting like these new kinds of people into my life, it was another weird thing happened where I got all these creepers on Facebook. I call them creepers now, but they were just, yeah, they were messaging me (laughs) and being like, Hey, you want to go out? Blah, blah, blah. Right. And we had one friend in common. It was the same story each. I'm like, who is this person? And we had one friend in common and I'm like, creeper, 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 like doing that. So when I knew that Ian thought that I had friend requested him and we had one friend in common. I was like, uh-uh, you are not putting me in a creeper box, homeboy. Right. I did not even add you, even though I was creeping on a say suck. So anyway. Um, <laughs> we don't have to say that part. Right. So like, I kind of felt more defensive about it. So like, and I wouldn't have felt that way had I not had this flood of guys before. Literally, it was 10 guys in like less than two weeks or something like that. That's never even happened to me ever. Still, mm-hmm. like, that doesn't even happen to me anymore. So <laughs> anyways, um... After Josh had messaged me, he said, hey, how are you doing? And I knew, I'm like, he's about to ask me about Ian. So he said, funny story. My competition on the show thinks that you're cute. That's what he told me. And I said, yeah, about that. No way. We stalked his Facebook, you know, and I'm like, I'm going to message him and tell him. And he said, hey, you know, I really think that you guys would hit it off. Like, I really think that. And he told Ian. Really? So when Ian had messaged him, he's like, who's this girl that you, I saw we have one friend in common and Josh is like, Oh, I went on some dates with her, but you know what? I really think you guys would like each other. And he's like, she's a really good girl, but like, it's just, you know, I just think you guys would like each other. I mean, it truly was because we're just, we were, he was such a like laid back, stay at home. And I'm more of like, let's go explore, you know, just very different. So, um, anyways, I message Ian and I tell him like the story and um, we just start talking and then we, I'm gone for something else with the army. He's gone on like this dental mission trip and we come back on the 4th of July weekend back to our home areas. And he was going to his parents' house, which was like halfway point from where he currently lived and to my house. So he, mm-hmm. I had no plans. So he's like, do you want to come out and, um, we can meet each other and you know, you can stay and see you on the farm. Cause they have like, mopeds canoes horses all the fun things and he's like um you'll have your own place and it could be really fun and I was like hmm like this kind of freaks me out a bit because I'm done this out of my comfort zone <laughs> but then I'm like you know what remember when you said you're gonna do all the things that scare you do that's it. right Let's you go. said you were gonna say yes yeah so I said yes I went I met him and um so two years after that weekend I met him he proposed to me three years later around that weekend we got married 
And he's like, my best bud. So anyways, other funny story is I told him. I love this so much. Yeah. And I told him, you know, I said, this might sound weird, but like before I met you, I made this whole list of things that I was looking for in someone. And you know, I read mm-hmm. this book, explained the whole story. And he said, oh, really? Like he showed me his phone and notes of the same kind of thing. Like he did the same thing, except it was like, and we were able to check each other's boxes, but like above and beyond. And it's so funny (laughs) just how like God works. And I I have so many stories around the power of like just being intentional. And that's why like I got into visioning is because I started realizing like, wow, there's power in me declaring, like making my desires known, writing it down, you know, believing like, you know, like praying on it, you know, acting like that's my future husband's already out there. Like I'm praying for him, like kind of like acting as if it already is in ways. So it's just, I have so many more stories about like being intentional and then visions becoming a reality. And that's why I'm so passionate about teaching it. And it's my favorite thing to watch other people just like be more intentional and just watch what happens in a sense when you work with God. Cause like we're called to make our desires known. It's just so fun. So yeah. And so good. Yeah. That's my story. <laughs> That's how I got involved in visioning, which is fun. <laughs> That's so cool. I mean, I've heard a lot of times, you know, write out what you want in a spouse or whatever in, in the dating. Um, but I love how you have just transitioned that into all parts of life. Like you yes. can do that for all parts of your life. Um, yep. And so, I mean, has marriage just been, I, it's, got to be such an assurance to know for sure, without a doubt that you were given Ian, you know, like yes. yours a hundred percent. Um, how has marriage been since then? So you want to like, be like, Oh, it's been amazing. You know, like <laughs> it's, um, it truly like, he's like my best friend, the most like he's supportive of uh, my dreams. The most, I always say you're the most fun person I know. And he always reminds me that when I'm like mad at him, remember when you say, <laughs> you know, and um, he really is. And I adore him. But to say that it was all like lollipops and rainbows, it would be a lie because our sure. marriage, getting married, married was a very hard thing. Like as far as, you know, I lived in Michigan, we were, um, I had to sell my house, all the things that I worked for on my own. And, you know, I came from even income wise, Ian's family has a lot more income than my family. And there's a lot of not good enough stuff that shows up with that money stuff. So I had a lot of my own insecurities already of like not being good enough and walking in, you know, my family, lowest part of the bracket of finances, as far as like, um, living in poverty, Ian's family in the top, you know, so very different ways of living all the things. And, um, so that dealing with the dynamics of what his mom, his expectations, his mom had for who Ian was going to be with another side note is Ian was a world championship horseback rider as a teen. Wow. And, um, he, uh, like they're very much into horses. His dad's a vet and just a different lifestyle. (laughs) Like from what I've, I wouldn't ride. I dreamt of having ponies and horses, you know, (laughs) with my toys and stuff. So it's kind of funny, but I think his mom had a different idea of the kind of person Ian would be with and things she would be interested in. Um, so that was a tough thing. So when we were getting, blending our lives together and his mom being someone who I guess is very dominant personality. Um, and I was still that girl that had her insecurities that let other people run the show that kind of was a people pleaser. 
And I had a lot of regrets about that because during my wedding time, there's a lot of stuff that happened that was very traumatizing to me, to be honest. Like I couldn't even look at my wedding photos for months after the wedding because I bawled on my wedding day, not for good, happy tears that happened, but for tears of like, this was like not what I visioned at all. Like this is like, this was a hard day. Ian cried on our wedding day. I was so excited to leave for my honeymoon just to get away from the drama. And there was a lot of stuff where his mom really, she was having a hard time with the transition of Ian, there's always so many dynamics at play, you know, her marriage and Ian being the one that pays attention to her. And um, her mom had just went into a nursing home. We were getting married on the family farm from like the 1800s where mom's farmhouse, Mm -hmm. where she grew up, a lot of stuff was getting triggered. And um, it was just, it was a hard time. So like for her, and she really just made during the wedding, like it known that it was a really hard time. And like, one of the things that was really hard for me was my dad tried to contribute like financially, like with bringing like Cheeto puffs and crackers and cheese to like help give people like snacks. And she was very adamant on that was not allowed because they had their different idea of what the snacks would be. And Hmm. yeah, should be how they should look, what trays they should be in all the things. And it was very much about image. There was a lot of that that was showing up and a lot of stuff stemming from her own insecurities and just, yeah. So, um, sounds like the day was kind of stolen from you and was, yes. And my, well, how my are you dad, and through that? I mean, yeah, you're right. Cause that's part of his gift too, is to be able to provide for you. Yeah. So my dad, so I'll tell you, this is where it really, where it got really hard for me and what stemmed to some more issues with Ian and I. So like my dad, um, it was before my first look with my dad. So my moment with my dad and my dad yeah. and I kind of already wanted to improve our relationship coming from a family of divorce and me living with my mom growing up, all the things. And, um, this is when Ian's mom went and told him about the snacks and he felt a lot of shame, not good enoughness stuff right before Mm -hmm. my time with him. So energetically think about how that feels like when I go see my dad and he feels shamed. So there's that stuff. And then long story short, um, I wasn't able because I wasn't allowed to, in quotation marks, invite everybody that I wanted to, to the wedding because of the space. So some of my guests had to come only to the um, dinner portion and not the ceremony, even though my family is from farther away, but besides the point. So anyways, um, what happened was we did our ceremony and people had not seen me yet that were just starting to arrive. So I was still supposed to hide myself. So I had to use the bathroom really bad. I drive up on the grass and I go in, I come out and I'm about to hide or whatever, or I'm before I came out, because Ian's mom was like making up, saying things all day, she kind of egged his family on. So he had a cousin from Chicago that came in and screamed at me before my, my grand like entrance. And it was like the straw that broke the camel's back for me, where I already felt like it was too much throughout the day with so much control. And it's, it's beyond what I can even explain other things that have happened. Um, But anyways, it like, I was sobbing to the point, like every, my, my wedding party had to like, kind of help me stand up outside. I wanted to run away, but then I was torn because I wanted to like see the people that drove so far to to see me. And I Mm -hmm. felt awful. It was, it was awful. Like even just thinking about it now, just like makes me tear up. So what happened? Yeah. And it's like being, getting married to someone I love so much that was like, like, I felt like a gift from God, but 
it was just hard. And the whole planning of the wedding, the control around my invitations, the gifts I would be given, uh, my ideas being trashy. That was a common thing that was told to me. Like, that's just trashy, that idea. And it, it really triggered my not good enough buttons a lot. So how could just, it not? Yeah. Yeah. There was just a lot of stuff that was just an issue. So we ended up leaving for our honeymoon and, um, it was just like, since that time, there's been so much of like, there was resentment that I held on to like towards my mother-in-law and just like every little thing she did would just trigger me so much. And like, I don't know. So it was like, it was like years of that. And, um, I was about to say, how do you move in forgiveness? I mean, did you ever have a conversation or yeah, you work so through forgiveness there? Recent, so every, every um, anniversary since our wedding, so we're going to be going on our fourth anniversary coming up in the summer. So the anniversary since then, drama would always happen. The same day, drama. Um, friends come over, flip out episodes, things that she would do. And it would just be like to the point, it would either really frustrate my husband or me. And then he would always try to stick up for, you know, like his, defend his mom and feel like he's in a sure. place that's really hard. We had pre-marriage counseling that even like I would cry in and our pastor would even say like, you, you got to say something like even to him. And then he, the pastor would say, eventually, Angela, you're going to stick up for yourself. And that was hard for me because I didn't, I didn't want to rock the boat with her. So I would just let my dreams and desires like shove them down and just let yeah. her win. And she has a very dominant personality. So like, I'm, I'm not blaming because I want to make this clear that I own a lot of stuff that happened. And I'm telling you, it's because I let someone treat me that way. That was on me. I didn't I stand you. up. I didn't say anything. Is it okay that she acted the way she did? Heck no, it's not okay. But right. I got to take responsibility for me choosing to be a victim and not doing things and letting someone else design my life, design my wedding, all the things. So um, nowadays, Truly, our relationship has changed so much. I mean, there's still things that I get flashbacks of, like, certain behavior that she does, and I'm like, oh, like, it triggers me. But this is the, the, the thought that I really chose to believe is that, one, everybody does the best that they can, given the circumstances, given their mindset. That was a really hard time for her for, for many, many reasons. It triggered her in a lot of different ways. Was it okay she showed up that way? No. But does it make sense given all that was happening? Yeah, it does. And yeah, when other, you walk through forgiveness too, you can kind of shift into a place of compassion. It sounds yeah. like. Yeah. So I did that. Holding on to that thought helps me. The other thought um, that always serves me is that I show people kindness and grace, not because of who they are, but because of who I am. Mm-hmm. And I love that because, I mean, I've had to do that with like even my parents. I mean, there's a lot of things that have happened that I still show up and like am kind to people when most people would have been like, forget you, I'm gone, I'm done. And I feel like it doesn't serve me in my life to hold on bitterness. It's never going to, like I'm the one that that hurts from that the most. So my mother-in-law and I, we took a trip together. Um, was it 2019? Yeah, we went to um, a safari in Africa and it was just us two. So that was really, but I'm telling you, the old me was like, hell no, sorry. I would not <laughs> do a trip with her alone. Like I would not. And my sisters would joke that she would just feed me to the lions and I'd never yeah. come back. But anyways, <laughs> like we had a really good trip, but even since then, it's been a constant work on like our relationship and me telling the truth. Like I got to the point, the reason it's gotten so much better, truthfully, is I finally stood up and said, look, if you continue to act this way, I won't show up. I'm never going to make Ian not show up. I understand this is your son, 
but I will not put myself in a situation where I feel like, you know, you're, you're generating this really toxic energy or you're being like, um, you're saying things that are really hurtful, constantly criticizing, like, I'm not going to choose to put myself in that environment. So basically, if you're not going to do it, I'm not showing up, that kind of thing. If you're not going to be a nice person, I'm not going to be there. So I kind of like finally said something and then it made it so she's like, whoa, there's something that I could lose. Like if, you know, I continue to act this way and that's not what I want because what she really wanted is what closer, meaningful relationship. And she knows if she continues to show up that way, it's not getting her that. So I was just straight up like, if this continues to happen, then I'm doing this. And that's how you set a boundary. It's not about them. It's about me. It's about if you keep doing this, I'm not showing up. It's kind of like someone keeps riding in your car and they keep smoking. Look, I'm not allowing you to ride my car anymore. So I kind of felt like um, once I did that, our relationship changed so much. And I watch it. I see it in her now where when she starts to say something, she's thinking it. I see her body language shift and she holds Mm -hmm. back because she knows that no longer am I going to tolerate it where the old me would have done it, which is why she continued to act that way. And you know, it's still, it's not like completely perfect, um, but it's getting much better because with Ian, um, it's just, it's truly caused a lot of issues. Like that's the only thing that we truly, besides your typical, like I'm annoyed of you kind of things. um, But like, that's truly the biggest source of like an argument for us was the wedding, like how that happened. Some of the like, overstepping boundaries things, but it's kind of like, you're getting mad that someone keeps jumping in your yard and it's like, stop, stop jumping in the yard. You know, like whatever I told you, it's like, at this point in time, I'm going to build a fence, like to make sure, (laughs) like not in a way of like, so that I can enjoy my space. And if you want to come in or I want to let you come in, I can open the door and you get to come in. Right. You haven't, I mean, you definitely have shown grace by not just shutting off the relationship completely. And by, you know, you've continued to kind of foster their relationship with one another, but yeah. And their relationship has gotten so much better too through this because it really, Ian had to do a lot of work around people pleasing too, around like, Oh, just do what mom says, just do it. And like, he had lived like his whole life doing that, everything. So there was a lot of growth that we both had to do together. And it's really like, especially like, it's improved our relationship so much because we're like, we're a team. We're on each other's team. And yeah. a lot of people's relationships really suffer from family drama and crap that happens. Well, I think too, like you guys have set yourself apart and moved away and created your own oh, space. Yes. Yeah, right. that's huge. I highly recommend that if you have any family. <laughs> you need to grow together and you got to know yourself more and your traditions and your, you know, like all the things. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, you need that space to do that. And you need to be mindful of with anything, like how much you allow to happen. And we need to take responsibility because it's so easy to blame. Like when someone acts a fool to be like, to blame them, but then it's like, what part, what responsibility do you have in this? How are you're showing up and allowing that? Have you ever said anything to them about it? Cause a lot mm-hmm. of us get really upset, but we don't say anything because we just don't want to deal with the discomfort of that, you know? That's right. I think too, as Christians, we're taught to like keep the peace or whatever, but I've been learning a lot just through the current issues that peacekeeping and peacemaking are not the same thing. And if you had not said something, you know, you would still be in turmoil, but instead by speaking the truth and holding accountable and being honest, it brought peace. So it's such a contrary concept. And to myself, like, you know, before, like, 
a lot of the things that I do and I believe in, like, I felt like my, my mother-in-law would kind of roll her eyes around even visioning. Like recently I taught a visioning workshop. My mother-in-law was there. She made a vision board. That is insane. Really? <laughs> it, it, that is insane to me. Cause years ago, like she would roll her eyes at things like that, that I believed in and I love so much. And I would downplay like my, my, the things I enjoyed because I just, I, I don't know. Like, I guess I felt like it was not good enough or like silly or like I was the outcast instead of just being like, this Mm -hmm. is what I love. I don't care if you love it or not. This is what I care about and I love. And now I'm to the point, like even around the things that she used to criticize me about the things I eat, um, as far as like, I want almond milk or I want, you know, like, and it would just be like, I would just be like, fine, whatever. I'll just get the the other milk, even though I hate it. It makes me feel awful. (laughs) Like, you know, it's like, what am I doing? And now I'm like, nope, I only drink almond milk. And you know what? I don't need to explain to you why. Like, I don't owe you an explanation for how I show up because it's about making, like, I want to feel good with my choices. And you know, like the top regret of the dying, I didn't live a life true to myself. And honestly, it takes so much courage to live a life true to yourself. You will constantly be disappointing people along the way. That's just part of the deal. It is. But at the end of the day, like when I'm on my deathbed, I want my life to flash before my eyes, not the life that others expected me to live. You know? Mm Mm-hmm. Mm, goodness. It's all so good. And everything that you've worked towards is so life-giving to others. I mean, you provide huge tools for life and designing your life. And I just am so proud of you and, and am awe of how all of this, knowing how all of this has kind of come about is really, it does give a whole different kind of view or twist on, on seeing you now. So that's really cool. Thank you for being so brave and sharing. I love it. Thanks Riley. Thanks for giving me the space to share like (laughs) that, those kinds of stories, because I don't think that I talk a lot about some of the hard things in my life and my own insecurities around, um, just my own feelings of not feeling good enough. And like, you know, shame about the past, shame of where I come from, all of that crap, you know, and then, um, having the space to share that is like very powerful and it's very healing. So thanks for being Mm. someone that gives people that space. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And honestly, because bringing it to light does uncover the shame and it just Mm -hmm. kind of makes it fall away because we all face it and we all feel it and we all have to find how to bring light to our dark places. And so you're definitely helping people do that. Well, show us kind of how, what you're doing now and just teach us a little bit about what you mean when you say visioning and being intentional and designing your life. Yeah. So, um, the process that I take people through is we always start with evaluation. And, you know, I talked about like earlier, the contrast gives you so much wisdom and it's kind of like a GPS system. If you think of like when you're going to get direction somewhere, you first pinpoint where you are right now, right? The dot shows where you are right now. And then you decide where you're going to go. So we start there. We look at like your life as a whole and, you know, we do the wheel and it just helps us. It's a good visual, like different categories. You rate your satisfaction in each level. It makes you kind of think about like, what do I think about my health? What do I think about relationships? And then from that place, then we start thinking about who you want to be. And um, this is really helpful because a lot of people really struggle with coming up with goals, but it makes it so much easier. Like this process that I have found for people and people have said that is we start with evaluation and then we set goals and when I say goals, they're not your, what you're thinking of normal goals of like, I'm going to yeah. lose this amount of weight by this time. It's very sm- specific, smart goals. No, they're all identity-based goals. And 
my reason for that is I believe that, you know, we're all trying to, our real goal is to become something, to become a different kind of person. It's not about achieving some specific results because that's like very short lived. It's about transforming our lives. So our goals are all identity based. Um, so an example of that would be like, instead of, um, you know, running a 5k, that might be a specific goal by a certain period of time. You, the goal is for you to become a runner. And then right. you start looking at your everyday things that you do that can help you like the habits that you need, the thoughts that you need to be that kind of person. So it changes things where you start thinking like my favorite quote from James Clear is every action you take is a vote for who you want to become. And I think about like, it just feels so much better to be like, this is the kind of person I want to become. So what are the, the votes that I need to take today? What are the small things? Like really starting small of like, you know, if you want to be a writer, then what does that mean? It means that you have a habit of writing. So can we start with five <laughs> minutes of writing a day? And I always share this story because I remember the first time it hit me when someone said like, okay, so you want to be a writer? Well, like, do you act like a writer now? And I'd be like, what do you mean? What do you mean? Do I act my, as a writer? I uh, know. A few right? months ago, my husband was like, so how are things going? I'm like, they're going okay. This is a while, like probably a year ago. They're going okay. I really just, I don't know what my next step is. And he's like, but you want to be a writer, right? Mm-hmm. He's like, well, have you been writing? I mean, right? <laughs> yeah. So that's the, that's the point. Cause it's like, I would put on my vision board, I'd put like my book, I want to write a book, whatever, you know, but really my real goal, like when I started transforming this to being like, no identity based, like what kind of person you want to be? You want to be a writer. You want to have that identity and you want to say mm -hmm. and feel confident when you say that, what does that look like? And what I help people do is I help them get clear about the identity. And then I want you to study those that already have the identity that you want to have. And mm -hmm. we're all about identity because it's how the brain works. It's very, I, the subconscious is very identity focused. We behave in certain ways because we identify in certain ways. Just like when someone says, I'm a morning person, then that means you act like a morning person. You get up early, right? Because we identify as that. And the first thing with even like smokers, like to get them to stop smoking, stop identifying as a smoker. Because when you identify as a smoker, you act like a smoker. So that's why it's like, we're looking at who do we want to identify as? We get clear on who that is. And then how can we be that person now? And sometimes it's like, it's like, duh, common sense. You need to start writing now, but you can look at a writer. So what I did was knowing that I wanted to be a writer myself. I thought about how the mind works. Everything I teach is based on like how the mind works. Cause I geek out about the brain. But, um, so I looked at writers and I'm like, well, what kind of writer do I want to be? I'm like, I want to be a writer whose book gets turned into a movie. Like that's the kind of writer I want to be. So <laughs> yes. then I think about like, who are these people? Like, what do they do? How do they think? So I remember I signed up for this writing workshop and there was this a weekend long retreat or three days and um, all these writers from all over came. Some of their books have been turned into movies. I'm like, I got to be hanging out with these people. So I went around them to study them, to be like, what do they think? And I heard a lot of them say this, you know what? I, I write not for anyone else. I write for me. I write for me because it feels feels good for me to write. And I'm like, that's what I need to think. Like, so adopting, cause their thoughts, their actions, like their habits, their environment led to the results that they have. There is a recipe that led to that. Like there's ingredients that were involved. So a lot of us need to start just getting the right ingredients. And so I looked at, like, I literally got a mug that said South Carolina writer on it. 
been carried <laughs> around with my coffee in it to like prime my brain to be like, this is who you are. And then they talked about like when they started writing, they just started journaling and having a habit of doing that every morning so that they can get into the habit of writing. And they could say, I am a writer because I write every day. And that's like them taking votes for who they wanted to be. So what I do with people is I help them get clear on the identity they want to have. We set goals, identity-based goals in every area of their life because the people I work with, they don't want to improve just one area of their life. They want to improve them all. Yes, they're ambitious. They're purpose-driven. They're like, no, I don't want to just improve my career and have my relationship suck. Like that's not what they're thinking. So I like to help them all around looking at it as a whole. And then we break it down. Like we, from there, it's like, okay, what do I need to act like? And I call it the be act tab recipe. And we get that kind of recipe clear for specifically them. And then we look at your every day. Like how do we set your day up and your time to be in alignment with honoring that vision? Because a lot of people set goals, but they don't be the person that makes it a reality. And that's why they don't achieve the goals is they're not doing the being part of it, you know? Yeah, that's exactly right. And it just, just takes such intentionality and having that vision. Like you said, I listened to your podcast this morning um, about using your bookmark. So you've got your vision board in multiple places in your house and just, it's all set as a, as a visual of changing the way you think and changing the way you expect. Right. Exactly. And it's, you got to keep reminding your brain. It's like, it's, you're training your brain to be that person. You really have to think about it this way. And like, if you don't train your brain, guess what? Somebody else does. The environment does, whoever you're around and you default to that. So the biggest thing is like you being intentional with your life is you training your own mind, not allowing other people to train it. That's so good. And I do think we all want, I mean, I think it's kind of in us to want greatness and have vision and have dreams. I think that's how God designed us. So it's not that we're without vision. It's that we just expect it to happen to us without effort or choice. And without being intentional with it and looking at the biggest thing too, is like who you surround yourself with. Like that is so important. And when you think evolutionary, like the reason like a kid, even our children, like know how to live in this world is because they study other people. Like as a kid, you know, like their brain is the mirror neurons are mocking behavior. They're looking around your brain is doing that without you even aware of it. So this is why it's so important. Like, where that you surround yourself with people you want to be like, because you will be like them. I mean, research shows that over and over. So that's another part of the work that we're doing. We're looking at like, this is identity you want to have. So who do you want, who do you got to surround yourself with? And like, that's huge. And that's going to require investment, investment in yourself, hands down. And I think that's a lot, that can be something that's really hard and scary for a lot of people to do as well, invest in themselves. I agree. It seems like we're so fast to just, we'll pay for anything that's an emergency, you know, mm-hmm. or the end, <laughs> but paying for something for ourselves now and investing in ourselves now feels like it's wrong. Why, why is that wrong? You know, why are we trained that way? Hmm. I, I think it's because I think, especially with women, it's like, you know, a lot of us, we put ourselves last. Um, I mean, even I think about it, like when I wake up in the morning, like I I've been trying to be intentional with like getting up and having more time for me time in the morning, my journaling and all that. Cause it's so easy for me to wake up and default. to what does everybody else need? I'm gonna make breakfast. I got to do this for them, that, that like, my, and then my mind is like always focused on other people 
to the point that, you know, you forget about yourself and then you don't show up well for other people. You, you, it sabotages the very thing that you want to do anyways, which is be there, just show up and be of service because you're not listening to those things on your heart. You're not taking time for yourself. You know, like they always say, like, you can't like pour from an empty cup. Right. Right. Mm. Oh my goodness. It's all so, so rich and good. This was, I know just the tip of the depths of knowledge that you have and the passion you have for this. Um, so I'm excited that we're going to be looking at it more. And um, unless you have something else you want to share or anything, uh, tell us where we can find you and where we can learn more about all of this. You can find me um, over my podcast. I geek out about this stuff all day long at the Intentional <laughs> Mind Podcast. And we're having some more people come on and share stories about how their visions have become reality. And I just feel like filling your mind up with, the, with examples of what is possible is so helpful to your brain to make that a reality for you because you've got to show it proof that it's possible. And yep. um, otherwise, you're not going to do it. I mean, it even goes back to like, I remember when I tore my ACL, I completely tore my ACL. People told me how to get surgery. Surgeons tell me that and all of that. And I was like, I want to focus on being the person that can do all the things I want to do without surgery. So what did I do? I listened to stories of people who did do that. And I filled my brain with only that. Anytime someone wanted to tell me like, but you're going to have to get surgery. And this person, they want to tell me that story about them. I was like, mm -mm, no. That's not in alignment with who I want to be. That story is not in alignment. So I don't want to hear it because I know what happens is it starts to program my mind. So I think that just a last reminder for people is to fill your mind with things that are in alignment with who you want to be. So the first step is getting clear about like, who is it that you want to be? And I always have tons like resources on the podcast, different episodes. I know that you're going to offer stuff, Riley, that we can help people just really be intentional about, um, what they want for their life. I mean, what is their story? Like what story did they have in the past and which one do they need to rewrite and what do they, who do they want to be now? So anyways, right. just if you search intentional, my podcast, you'll find me anywhere. And my group on Facebook is the intentionalist. And it's really fun because there's a lot of intentional people in there and it's really fun seeing how they're being intentional in their lives. I love it all, all of it. I need more of it in my life. And so I'm just, and Incredibly thankful for you, Ange. Thank you so much for coming today. Thanks for having me. Exciting news. Angela is going to teach the visioning course and how to create a vision board to the Ash and Ivy Friends group in February. It's scheduled for two days, February 3rd and 10th, and will be super affordable. You do not want to miss this. I've done this with her, and I'm very excited. It changes, really changes your day-to-day -day and how you see your life. Have you ever really asked yourself what you want for your life? What do you want it to look like? Or better yet, what do you want to feel? We only have one life, and I know that you want to give yours your best, just like I do. So please join me to design a life that you love. Come join us in the Facebook group for friendship and for more information about the event. So as always, I'm cheering for you.